Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network. I am your host, Mark. Blues guitarist Albert Cummings is my guest on this episode. And although music is literally in his DNA, he got a bit of a late start playing it. He didn't even start out on guitar. There was a trumpet and the five-string banjo before he started playing the blues. But after a friend suggested he play at a wedding, he was hooked. He formed his first band, Swamp Yankee, recorded his first album, 11 tracks, in one 90-minute recording session. But it worked. He got a slot as a local headliner at a music festival, and one offhand remark, along with that Swamp Yankee album, got him hooked up with Double Trouble. That experience was so good for all of them that it led to them recording an album together. He's also played with legends like Buddy Guy and B.B. King. But Outward tells me how difficult the blues can be. Not only is it hard to sound unique, but once you're settled with that classification, it's not always easy to change your style. He's got a new album out called 10, and yes, it's his 10th release. He's got high hopes for it, too. So pick it up at albertcummings.com or wherever you get music. His social media accounts are there, too. Follow us at Performance ANX, and you can give us a hand with merch at performanceanx.threadless.com or with some coffee at ko-fi.com slash performanceanxiety. And leave your blues cliches out here because Albert Cummings and I are having none of it on Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Hey everybody, this is Albert Cummings. You're listening to Performance Anxiety. Uh, check out my new album, 10. And uh, thanks a lot for listening. How's that? <laughs> yeah, I read it right off the script. Thank you for coming on. This is I've, I've really been enjoying the new album. It's, uh, it's, just, it's really solid, man. It's really good. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I think so too, but I can't I can't say that myself, you know, but it, it's really like it's, it's a fun album for me to listen to still. I, I still like to listen to it. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. But what I what I like to do is to find out how you got into it in the first place. And your your story's a little different than a lot of people. Um, cuz you didn't get into it into music immediately. I mean, it took you a while, but yeah, when, it took me a long time. When did you really get into music? Were you, was there a lot of music in the house growing up, or were you playing instruments at that time? It was. You know, when I was when I was a little kid, my father played. Well, I, right around the year that I was born, my father gave up playing. He was he was in a band, kind of in a, you know, back then, a band could actually play two gigs a day. You know what I mean? And he still had a construction business and all that, but he did it as a hobby and as a fun thing. And uh, and it's how he met my mother, actually. Oh wow. Um, yeah. In 1956. So, or 1955, I think is when they met, he oh, was wow. playing in a band and my mother came in and, uh, yeah. So I don't think I've ever told anybody that that just came up out of my head. That's, that's <laughs> you've been to the archives already. <laughs> that's awesome. But, uh, but he used to play. So there was always a guitar around the house and, and like the band that he had, you know, it was a, like the big band era type music. So he was into the 
Moonlight in Vermont and Stardust and, you know, all the great old songs, you know, really complicated songs. And if one of the, like, I'm the youngest of four children, my three older sisters, if one of my sisters got married, my father's band would be the band. (laughs) I don't know if they ever had choices or not. (laughs) (laughs) That is great. But the same on any of the other band members, any of their kids got married, the band would come in and play. Nice. And they could pull it off. They could play all the songs, you know, and uh, I mean, they were, certainly wouldn't play in any top 40 songs, but they were playing all the old classics. You know, you could go out and dance to them. And yeah. Play. Wedding appropriate songs. I would see my father play that once in a while. And I, w- I was always inspired by that as a young kid, you know, and, and uh, he always had a guitar hanging around the house. So I was, you know, until I was about, well, I don't know, 14, 15 years old. I couldn't even get, you know, get my fingers around the necks. You know, my father, like his acoustic guitar hung out. It was like, you could sleep under the action on the thing. You know, just like, <laughs> it was, there was no way you could possibly get anything to sound, but he'd pick it up and play it. He was like, how do you get any sound out of that thing? But you know, I, 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 I don't know if you know my story, but I started out on five string banjo because a friend of my father's had, uh, was fooling around with, with banjo and, uh, he said, Hey, try this, try this out. You know, maybe this would work for you. And I was, I played trumpet. I was playing trumpet in high school and, okay. and I tried the banjo. I could put my hand around the neck really easy. So, you know, he's like, I've been learning this little lick is a, th- I remember this little lick is a three, two, five, one, four, two, five, one. If you're a banjo player, that's the, that's the dominant lick three, two, five, one, four, two, five, one. He said, just take the banjo home tonight. And he said, just practice that lick. He says, I've been practicing it for a long time. He says, I can't quite get it down. It's just finger exercise. So I'm, you know, I'm like 10 years old, 11 years old. And I was like, you know, it's like, and I had it down. He comes, he comes by the next day. He says, how'd you do it? I'm like, here it is. He's like, oh my God, I can't believe So, you know, he was very encouraging. His name was Truman McLean and he was, uh, he was just a sweetheart of a guy that really started my path because I, I couldn't really touch any other instruments. And, you know, so then, uh, as I got a little older, I was about 15, 14, 15, I'd grab that acoustic and I, you know, my father'd show me a few chords, like the basic, basic chords. Right. And, you know, I could ask him like twice. And after that, it'd be like, yeah, that, you know, my father, my father was, he was like, yeah, maybe you're not cut out for that. You know, maybe that's not you, you know, in other words, pay attention. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and he, he gave me that boost by being that way. You know what I mean? I, I think he, I think he had a plan at it, you know, cause he did it on everything. Oh man. Uh, at least I, I like to think that now yeah. that I'm older. I mean, I can, <laughs> I can look back and say, wow, now, you know, that, that really worked for me. Yeah. You know, I, I started fooling around with guitar and, uh, I, I didn't do anything with guitar. I was, I went through all those years from 15 through age 27 and I went and I was fooling around with a guitar and I had bought a couple guitars and I was like, you know, just, just dibbling with them a little bit and, and playing them. And I could play all the chords and I could play bar chords and I was messing around with writing a few songs here and there. And, okay. and I went to, we went to a friend's wedding and there was a band from New York city. I don't remember their name. I wish I could to this day. And my friends encouraged me to get up and play with his band. And I was like, Oh no, I've, I've never played with a band before. And I'm, you know, oh, I'm 27 wow. years old. I've never been on a stage really with a guitar, maybe with a banjo. I was fooling around and playing okay. with bluegrass bands and things. So I got up and played and 
and uh and something just hit me like a freight train it was literally this wow. happened that day on that stage and it was like this is something that makes me feel a certain way that i have to pursue and wow little did i know where i was headed i had no idea you know i i uh that same night a guy that i did not know at the time his name was phil remillard and he got up and he played, he was like one of these guys who could play a little of every instrument. And he got up and played piano with the band the same time I did. And now uh, we got off stage and somebody introduced me to him. And, and he says, you know, I play guitar too. He said, let's get together and play guitar once in a while. I said, all right, that sounds great. So we got together for like a year, maybe a year and a half, maybe even two years. We'd get together. I remember every Thursday night, we'd get together and just go. He worked at this place called the mountain goat and, uh, <laughs> bicycle store and we'd get out in the basement of this place and set up our little lamps and we'd we'd just kind of teach each other things that we knew about guitar oh that's and awesome we both got really quickly because of what we were teaching each other and then somebody came to us and said hey we got a we got this gig and could you guys you know could you guys cover it and we're like well we're not a band we're just fooling around with guitar and they said well i mean could you guys cover it and we thought about it like <laughs> And Phil says, well, I could play bass. I said, well, who are we going to get for drummers? So we, we, we knew this guy that played drums who at the time happened to be, when I was in high school, he was one of my English teachers. Oh, in high school. <laughs> His name was Bill Palmy. And wow. Just got together and it was like fun. And we played this gig and I have a picture of this gig. I still have. I've been waiting to the right time to frame it. I should, but it's the <laughs> first picture of my first gig I ever played. Wow, that is awesome. Yeah, and uh, and it just started going from there. And then uh, I had a buddy from Pennsylvania who was like this creative, he's like a legal genius, and he's a fun guy, and he's just like, he's got this huge laugh. And I remember I was out with him one night, and I said, what, what should I name my band, Sam? And, and he, and he thought about it for a minute. He says, Swamp Yankee. And I was like, Swamp Yankee? What does that mean? He says, it means white trash. <laughs> oh, I've never heard that. That's awesome. And that's what I went under for, for a few years. It was Swamp Yankee. started to to started it like take off and the next thing i knew i got a gig opening for kansas oh man yeah and i, I really didn't even know what kansas did or anything i knew dust in the wind a little bit and stuff and i you know i was like well, i don't know what to do and they said just go play your music Albert. we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors Hey guys, I've got some great news. Performance Anxiety and Pantheon Podcasts are giving away an exclusive VIP experience to see Nick Mason's Saucerful of Secrets. So head to pantheonpodcast.com slash Nick Mason to enter. Find the link in the show description or head over to our Twitter, Facebook, or Nick Mason's Facebook page for the link to enter to win. Head over to pantheonpodcast.com backslash Nick Mason to enter. 
Find the link in the show description or head over to our Twitter, Facebook, or Nick Mason's Facebook page for the link to enter to win front row seat upgrades, a very special commemorative guitar pick shaped necklace carved down from a drum cymbal played by Nick Mason himself. You also get a selection of curated exclusive VIP merchandise, including a VIP laminate and lanyard, crowd-free shopping at a dedicated merchandise stand before the show, and on-site perks such as priority check-in, VIP express lane into the venue for ease of entry, and a dedicated customer service line. Nick will be playing in my area at the Lincoln Theater in D.C. on September 27th. And I'd love to meet up with a D.C. winner at the show. So enter now at pantheonpodcast.com backslash Nick Mason. Winners will be notified via email one week prior to the event, so enter now. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with the stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Try doing that in person. So join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And a special offer to Performance Anxiety listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash performanceanxiety. That's betterhelp.com slash performance anxiety. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. Wow. And, uh, it started and started and started, and, and then it just, here I am talking to you. That, it, it, it culminated <laughs> in tonight. It's the pinnacle of my entire career, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're just kind of playing, having fun with it. How did you go from just playing for your friends and opening for Kansas on the odd occasion to recording and releasing your first album. That was, um, the first album I ever put out was, uh, it was called Albert Cummings and Swamp Yankee. Right. The, the long way it was called the long way. And, uh, it was, we had done one, one recording before that. It was a three song cassette tape. Oh, wow. I think I stumbled onto one of those the other day, still in its package. I was like, Oh, that thing's got to get that frame too. <laughs> Dude, I you know, shadow box. Yeah. And all these in a barn or in some box somewhere, I'm never going to find it again, but I'll, <laughs> you know, it'll, it'll come up. So I remember when we, when we went to do it, I remember the drummer I had at the time, I'd already switched. Like my band evolved a lot in the beginning because you know, some guys are like, I can't, I can't go gig with you on a Thursday night. I got to work Friday. And right. I'm like, I want to do this. I'm going to work Friday and gig Thursday night, you know, and I was, I was nuts. I was like, it was just, it was feeding me. And, uh, so I remember the drummer that was the, I think the second drummer I had every time he'd mess up, he'd stop, you know, cause you go go to the studio and it's like, it, I mean, this is like, this isn't rocket science here. So we got safety nets all over this called pro tools or, <laughs> you know, even then it was easy, you know? Yeah. That was in the early nineties or late 
yeah, that was, geez, I don't even know when that was. <laughs> but yeah, it was probably around late nineties. Yeah. It was late nineties when this, this, this was going on. So I said, well, we need a really, we need a, like a serious album to, for, you know, venues because we were starting to get gigs all over. I started to go to Albany, New York, which is about an hour from me here. Okay. And there's literally no, there's no places to play around. Nobody goes to see live music around here. That's just not a, it's not, there's not even a place to go see it. You know what I mean? You'd have to drive an hour anyways to go see it. It's like, you know, maybe you could find an acoustic guy or something at at a venue somewhere, but it's, it's not a, it's not a thing around here anyway. So I I could go to Albany where there was some people and uh, we started, I started to get a really quick following in Albany. People started to come to shows and I was getting like, I got on the big blues festival there and I got in, I got written up in the Albany times union paper a bunch of times and started to happen. So I said, I I, I need a really good demo. So we went to this place. It was Cotton Hill studios, which isn't there anymore, but we went in and I told the drummer, I said, if you stop, you're paying for the whole thing, man, just play. (laughs) And we went in, we did 11 songs in in an hour and a half, just turned around, walked out. Like it was like a set, right? We just went into the set and, uh, that's how I thought you made an album, right? Wow. That's easy. Just going for an hour and a half. (laughs) <laughs> nothing to it <laughs> so anyways that album started to get me more gigs and then there's rpis here rensley polytech institute and it's a it's like the mit of new york you know and it's mm-hmm. a big school in troy new york and uh they had they used to have a venue there and it's still there but they don't really have concerts anymore it was called the rpi field house and uh they called and said we want to have like a blues day of all music at the field house and we want you to be the local headliner and who do you think we should get for a national headliner and i i swear to god jokingly said well why don't you get double trouble to come play with me oh it was a whim and (laughs) and, uh, they said that's a really good idea i didn't think anything of it And like two weeks later i got a phone call said double trouble heard your your disc and they said they'll come do the gig with you whoa i was like I was so scared. I was scared right from that point on. I was like, Oh my God, what did I get myself into? I'm not, you know, I'm literally like less than a hundred gigs. So double trouble. Here they come from Austin, Texas, Chris Layton and Tommy Shannon, the only band that I ever listened to here, they come to play with me. Jeez. And I, I mean, I'll, I'll get into the, if you, if you like stories, I'll tell you the whole thing. I mean, we had a night before this gig. I haven't really told this story maybe a couple times over the years, but they came in and to test me out, they started to jam on some Hendrix. Oh, we, we had a rehearsal place and they started to jam on some Hendrix. Well, I didn't know any Hendrix at all. I still to this day, I really don't know a lot of Hendrix. Uh, I mean, I like Hendrix, but I don't know. A lot. I don't, I don't learn people's stuff. I just, I just play my own stuff. And yeah. Listen to their stuff and then try to incorporate that into my stuff. And that makes sense. I'm, it goes and learns everybody's styles. I, I wish I could, but I just don't have the time or the, or the patience probably at this time in my life. But right. so they started doing on Hendrix and I sat there like a deer in the headlights and I was like, guys, I don't, I don't know. Oh. I don't know any. Oh no. You don't know any Hendrix. They both looked at me. I remember it. I was like, no. And they didn't say anything, but they, they told me uh, as I, as the story goes on, they, uh, they told me that, they thought they didn't know what they got themselves into. 
they had they told me this after like when i was when i was down there they said, well, this guy doesn't know any hendrix what doing here so anyways i remember tommy shannon was in a cast he had his foot operated on or something and he could hardly walk around and you know here comes the big the day the next day and we go to the rpr field house now what's weird about this is the last place i saw stevie ray vaughn and double trouble play was the rpi field house oh wow last time i was in the rpi field house was when i when i watched stevie ray vaughn and double trouble play so here i am walking back into the field house and now i'm fronting that band jeez I'm less than a hundred gigs in. I'm telling you, I was like, I, I bet I had 75 on me. I, I don't even know what it was. I was brand new to it. It was all, this all happened really kind of quickly in the beginning for me, all these little things taking place. So I, I had watched videos of, of Stevie Ray Vaughan, like, like live at the Macombo or anything I could get my hands on. Not so much to watch Stevie some more. It was to watch what they were doing. So I knew what to expect okay. on stage. That makes sense. How did they react? How did they, what did they do? What, what was I about to experience? Cause I don't know. I'm going on stage with my idols here. I'm, right. I'm like, I'm walking up to the executioner and saying, here's an act. Here's the act. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and they, we started playing and, you know, of course we got it. There's a good crowd. I remember there was uh, the other acts. They brought in more acts. That I remember it was Bernard Allison and it was Chris Duarte was the other two oh. acts. I like we were, last, we were the last act. So I got to watch those guys rip it up. You know, both Chris and Bernard play like crazy. I'm like, Oh my God, I gotta go out in front double trouble. Yeah. You know, it's, it's all I could think about. And I remember, <laughs> I remember, <laughs> I remember I'll, I'll, if you like stories, I'll just I tell love you stories. So I remember <laughs> we're backstage and Tommy's playing his bass. He's warming up on his bass. And Chris has got a drum pad and he's on the hassock and he's drumming on the hassock and he's warming himself up. And my wife walks in and I'm eating chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> <laughs> she said, what are you doing? <laughs> see that they're warming up. And I was so nervous. I couldn't even, and I was so scared. I was eating cookies to, to like, you know, warm myself up. <laughs> and we walked out on stage and we played and uh, I didn't have the gumption to look around. And about the second song, I looked back. And what I noticed in the videos is Tommy hardly smiled. He just played and he kind of watched Stevie and he just played. And I look over at Tommy and he's, he's got a cast on his foot. He could hardly walk up on the stage and he's dancing on the stage. Wow. Smiling at me. And I look back at Chris and then Chris too would very, very, you know, straight, motion with a you know, half smile, maybe occasionally in the videos and stuff. He's very straight. And I look back and he's like giving me the go for it, like smiling, like, you know, the really like, and I could tell, and then it would just, then I was just like, okay, let's go shifting gears. Now. And then we get out of it and we, and then we took off. That is and awesome. Then, and then because they, it was an afternoon gig that we played, it was like, I don't know, we played like four o'clock in the afternoon or something. So, I was able to book another gig in Saratoga, New York, which I don't know if you ever heard of Saratoga racetracks. Oh, yeah. So we, we booked a gig up there at a big venue and, and, uh, right after that RPI Fieldhouse gig, we went up to the other gig and we set up there and, and we played and wow. we had an amazing night and, uh, went to like, I don't know, one or two in the morning or whatever it was. We we're just playing all night and having a blast. And, and we were, 
you know, we're packing up and they're, you know, we're start. I, I had to drive them back to Troy, which is, I don't know, 40 minutes down the street, 35 minutes down the street. Okay. And, uh, we're driving down and I'm driving them and, and they're like, Albert, what we heard on your demo, what we heard tonight is there's not even a comparison. He said, you need to get an, an album made. You need to get a real album made. Oh, wow. And so I, I would love to, but I have no idea on how to do that. I, I have no clue where to even start with that. And they said, well, we do. And we, we want you to come to Austin, Texas, and we want to produce your next album. We want to play on it. Oh, and, wow. And this is, this is like two o'clock in the morning and I'm driving this thing. <laughs> and I, I'm like, literally my chin is resting on the steering wheel basically. Cause I'm in shock <laughs> of what they're saying. And I drove by two exits on the, on the highway. Oh no. Cause I was so like, I couldn't believe what was happening. And I, I had to apologize. I was like, guys, I, I drove by two exits. It's going to cost another half an hour to get you back. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I can't even believe what you're talking about. And I brought him finally got back to the hotel and they, we exchanged numbers. And, and even at that point, I was like, am I going to hear from these guys again? And you know what I mean? I yeah. mean, because even then it was like, you, you start to get a, you're starting to get a, a sense of a lot of people you meet in the music world. Everybody's no, you know, they're all they're the biggest thing in the world. You know oh yeah. I mean? It's the ones that won't tell you anything about themselves that, that are really hooked. But the guys that come on and, oh, I can do this. For, I can do that. Those are the ones you want to stay away from. That's what you learn later in life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, sure enough, like two, three days later, Chris called and said, hey, man, we got this all set up. And, you know, we're going to go to Willie Nelson's nephew's studio. And we're going to go here. And we're going to this. And we're going, you know, and, and, uh, I was like, Oh, great. You know, great. I'll, I'll, I'll be there. And the date came up and I'm going to the airport and, and I'm waiting for my plane, you know, to, to board the plane. And Chris calls me again. He says, Hey man, he said, uh, we decided we're going to bring Reese down for this. Oh. And I'm like, Reese he's like, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, now I'm even more nervous. Now it's the, now it's the first time that double trouble as that, the real, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Double Trouble, the real three guys, yeah. Reese, Tommy, Chris, did an entire album with a, with an artist. They had recorded, like, they were working on their own album. They were doing songs with different artists here and there, but they hadn't done an album with somebody. Right. And I was the guy, you know? Yes. <laughs> Got two of my own wandering yeah. around too. So there's a deer out there. I just saw it out the door, out the window. <laughs> they can, they got... <laughs> See, that's what makes podcasting awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so so then, I, then, I, then I went to Austin, Texas, and spent 19 days with those guys, and oh. that was like it was like a master's class and everything. I mean, you know, I get down there and be like, "Well, who would you listen to, Albert?" I'm like, 
you guys? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Who are your influences? Who do you like? And you guys? (laughs) I was like, it was, it was just absolutely amazing. It was just an amazing experience. And I mean, that, that show was kind of a pivotal show for me because at the same time that was, I remember one of, one of BB King's co-managers at the time came to see me at the show. Oh, wow. That spawned into me playing for BB King out of that show too. Yeah. That is a of, amazing. A lot of things happen on that one little thing. You know, you never know what's going to happen good or you, you, don't, you never know if something happens and then it could be three years later somebody will say, I saw this and, and I always wanted to have you here and I just couldn't get it together. Now I finally got you, but it spawned from that. Yeah. And you never know who's watching you and what you're doing. So exactly. Exactly. You just don't know where things come from. And and I find people always ask, what was your big, big break? You know, I'm like, yeah, I don't really, I mean, maybe that show was the biggest of my breaks, but I don't see them as big breaks. I see them as small little steps each one, as long as it's heading in the right direction, gets you to where you're going to go. And and without one, you can't get to the other one. You know, you can't, and they're right. little steps, but the journey of a thousand miles begins with that first step. And it's like, you just got to keep moving forward. That's so and- true. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Hey guys, I want to talk to you about socks for a second. Why not? It's a music podcast. But I tried a pair of socks from Boldfoot and loved them. I've only worn them once because my kids have stolen them. So in my household, that's the best endorsement I can give. And I guess it's fitting because the design I chose was Jailbait. Wait, Jailbird. The design I chose was Jailbird. I might keep that in. The socks are 100% American made and 5% of all proceeds go to veteran charities. It makes sense seeing that Boldfoot is a family and veteran-owned company. They have a huge variety of styles. So check out boldfoot.com and buy some of the best socks you've ever slapped on your feet. And help veterans while you're at it. That's boldfoot.com. And that's all I've ever done, so... So at that point, you weren't even really a huge student of the blues or anything, right? You were... No, no, I wasn't. That's amazing. when I, after that night at the wedding, I, uh, that I played with that band, I, I remember starting to think about how to learn more about it. I mean, at that time, I'm not sure I knew much about any blues guys or anybody, you know, I was yeah. like, so I started, I mean, I always say Stevie opened that door for me because once you open that door, that's a long hallway. Yeah. <laughs> There's it's full of doors. Yep. Every door is, you know, each artist, we all have a hallway. And we all have all our influences live on that on that floor, and you open up the first door with like you open up the first door with Stevie, you're going right into Albert King's room. Yeah, oh for sure. You know I mean? that's, that's how it lived. And then you you open up the next one is like BB or Freddie King and you, and Johnny Copeland and all these people that he would study. You open their door and then you start figuring out who they like. Then you go listen to what they listen to, which inspired them, and then you then you start hearing wow, that's where he got that lick from. And Thanks. that's where he, I can hear his vocal phrasing coming from this guy. You know what I yep. mean? You can trace them. Like it's like a, it's like a DNA footprint of sound. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, I love it. You know and I'm still doing? It. I'm just, just the other day I got under these two new guys and I was like, well, how did I not know about these people? And I start to, you know, I start to listen to their stuff. Yeah. 
That's one of, the, one of the things I love. And that's why I love, one of the reasons I love doing this podcast is because I've learned about all kinds of new people and then I hear about their influences and just, it's just endless. Yeah. So tell me about your podcast, man. Wow. So sure. I don't even know where you're, where you are. Are you in Virginia? Or? Yeah. I'm in uh, Winchester, Virginia. Home nice. of Patsy Klein. Oh, no kidding. Yep. Yep. She's, wow. our, she's our hometown hero. She's everywhere around here. Is she buried there now? Yeah. They've got all kinds of markers and memorials and stuff. So, yeah, she's buried yeah. right down the road. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I started doing this podcast about three years ago. Uh, about. Well, I just released episode 275. Wow. Yeah. And then. uh, Yeah. Uh, I blame that on my kids because without them, I I used to be a photographer. And uh, when my wife and I got married and started having kids, I kind of needed a steadier income. So. Yeah, that yeah, never hurts. Yeah, that moved to to hobby status and uh, got into sales. And behind the camera, I could be quiet and just not deal with people. But that doesn't right. work so good when you're in sales. So nice. So broke out of my shell. Started off doing sports. I mean, I've done about almost 500 shows in total with two different uh, two other podcasts that I've done that I had done wow. previously. So they were all they were both sports centered sports and comedy so nice yeah so then uh they ended and this one started and this one's been this one i do all by myself and it's been the longest running one so far great yeah so had a lot of awesome people on heard some got some new favorites heard some awesome people like like you and and just blown away by the amount of uh, just wonderful people i've been able to meet so yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah it's, a, it's a cool thing to do. Well, one of the questions that I, I, I had is you start off with trumpet and banjo. Were you also singing early on or did that come later? Well, no, no, I, I uh, uh, that was the hardest thing. And, and that's, um, I don't know what that is, you know, I, and it's, it's a hard, it's a, it's a hard, I, you know, I know a lot of guitarists that can rip the guitar, or just shred the thing, but they can't sing a note. It's, it's like, it's like, well, how do you, I, I don't, you know, I don't know. So I, I consider myself lucky and I don't know, that might sound arrogant to say, yeah, I think I can sing, but I, I, I think I can sing. You I know, think you can I, sing I for know. sure. Yeah. At least I get by with it. Uh, <laughs> what's What's interesting to go back to the album, talk about ten is on that album. There's a song called "Beautiful Bride," and that song I wrote for my wife and sang at our wedding. You're my one when I'm cold. You're the one I'll be with when I grow. Your petals on my road. Sun and rain, it makes me grow. You're my umbrella when it rains. You're my rescue when I'm in vain. When it's sunny, you're my shade. And I was 21 years old at that time, so 
I just sang it by myself. You know, 27 was the first time I played with a band, but 21 was the first time I ever got up and played for somebody sang in public. But I was so nervous. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel any stage <laughs> bug. I was just like, I had to get through it. You, know? you don't do anything halfway, but, do you? Not really. It's like, you know, if something <laughs> scares me, I, it draws me in. You know, yeah. that's how it is. Something intimidates me, it, it draws me to it. You sing at your wedding, you, you got a big show coming up. Hey, let's get double trouble. All right, yeah. <laughs> hey, how you doing? <laughs> I know. I got to start, I got to start like... I gotta start coming up with better things. You know? like, I don't know, man. You're doing a pretty good job yeah. of it already. Yeah. You don't hey, need to join anything. that. Let's join that billionaires club. Yeah. Hey. Oh, see, should have should have thought of that one years ago. <laughs> Why did I say that when I was Why like just twenty? Make a billion. So I re, I re, actually recorded that song on when I did with Double Trouble. And oh. they didn't want to put a band on. I kind of wanted a big sound of that song back in the, even when I first recorded it. And they were like, no, no, I think just you and Reese should do it. So I did it with acoustic guitar and, uh, and Reese just backed me and I kind of sang it and played it just like I did by myself, you know? Yeah. And I always wanted like strings behind it. And I wanted, I always wanted it to be like a song, you know, like a, like a wonderful tonight type of song, you know what I mean? That people, cause, yeah. cause I, that song, when I first recorded that with double trouble, I mean, I had people, I, I, I had one guy fly me to Austin, Texas to sing that at his 10th anniversary. You know, it's like, wow, they love that song. That song is like, but nobody's heard it. You know what I mean? Really? Nobody's heard that song yet. I, I really, other than the few people that have got the album or whatever, you know what I mean? That song, I still think that song's got a, got its day that'll come. Is that is that on True to Yourself? No, it's on Ten. Okay, that's what I was, I was just curious because I was looking at when you mentioned you played it with, with Double Trouble. I figured let me go back and take a look. From the Heart, From the Heart was the first one. Oh, okay, okay. From the Heart's what I did with Stevie's band, and that's and that came from Stevie Ray Vaughan. That name came from From the Heart because while I was in the studio, I remember I I asked Chris and Tommy what would Stevie tell me to do. You know what would he tell me to play, and and they said he'd tell you to play From the Heart. So. Bang! There's a, there's the name of the album. It, it named itself easily. That's man. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, that that song. That's a. I mean, it's a special song. If you know anybody's getting married, if you know the groom or whatever. Yeah. Just, I, I, I know. I made a note on that. That uh, how it's one of my favorites on the album. I I made a. a oh no! Of, yeah, of of the. Uh, my, yeah, my I mean, favorites. it's it's a special song, and I, and I, you know, it's. I finally got to an to a place where I had the musicians and had everybody. So I brought it back out because I never felt like I got it the way I wanted it in the beginning. And uh, well, my very, wife still likes the first one. It's very lush. I love the strings on it. It's beautiful. Yeah, you got it. You got your wish, man. That 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 came out so wonderfully. Well, thanks. So, yeah, I think it did too. It's it really really nice to have it. So one of the other cool things I noticed on the. Uh, Someone like you, Apple. Jimmy Vivino plays on that. Someone like yeah, that was that was really fun. How did Jimmy's you, how did you get hooked up with Jimmy? Great, he's a great guy, and he's a great. He's such a talented. Like like you know when I say I don't know people's styles and stuff, Jimmy can tell you every style about them and their <laughs> gauge of strings they use and <laughs> you know what amps they use. I mean, just by listening to it, you know That's what I mean. Insane. He's just a genius. He just he's just a musical genius. And uh, we we did that record in West Hollywood. California and uh, I had I had talked to Jimmy a few times over the years for basic things kind of met him through just guitar player world you know and okay. uh, 
And uh, yeah, he called me. He says, "Hey, Albert, you, that studio you're going to be at in in West Hollywood?" He says, "That's like just down the street from my house." I said, "You gotta be kidding me!" He's like, "Yeah." He said, "Would you mind if I stopped in and you know maybe listen, maybe even played on a song or two with you?" And I said, "Are you kidding me? Of course." <laughs> oh. So, so he he did. He came. He's on three songs on that record. This morning, I had a bird on my windowsill. I said I woke up this morning. I had a bird on my windowsill. You know, he just jumped in. He knew every, he knew every, all the people in the band out there. I mean, they were all the greatest guys in California. It was great, you know. And uh, he's just such a nice guy. And then after after we did the record, he's like, "Hey, we're filming Conan. Uh, you know, why don't you why don't you come down?" And uh, I remember it was my last night at the of finishing the record. And I said, "Well, if we finish, I'll I'll come down." I really wanted to go, you know. Yeah. And uh, so we finished up early, luckily, and I sped over there. And got to get on set with Jimmy and, and, uh, he's like, I want you to meet Conan. And, you know, I I didn't really think I'd get a chance to meet him. He's like, Jimmy was like insistent. No, I want you to meet him. And I was like, all right. So, so (laughs) sure enough, like, well, a couple of times he's like, you know, oh, oh, he's, he's in a meeting and he's been, I'm like, it's all right. Man. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't, it's fine. Yeah. Exactly. Sure enough, he, he put the, put the feelers out and Conan walks in the door and, uh, he came in with a script for that show and he signed the script and he said, Albert, teach me how to play above the eighth fret. <laughs> you know? And he's like, and he's like, here, check out my 50. He's got, you know, he had a vault of guitars. Oh, yeah. Because Conan Blake plays guitar. Yeah, yeah. He's like, check out my 58 Strat, man. He's like, he hands it to me. He's like, oh, my God. Like, oh, my God. This is so cool. He's so, it was so fun to hang with for a few minutes, you know. It was That's just like, awesome. it was just, then I got to watch and see him do the show and, and, uh, and watch Jimmy just run the band. And it just, it was just such an experience to watch, you know. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, and like you said, you know, you just never know what one thing is going to lead to. But you got to keep your you got to keep your arms open. You know what I mean? Not like this. Yep. You can't close them off. You got to keep them open. You got to let the world come to you. Exactly. You got to say <laughs> yes to, to things. Exactly. So you've also played live with some amazing people. BB King, Johnny Winter, Buddy Guy. I mean, that's that's incredible. I mean, do you still get kind of nervous? playing with these guys or is it you kind of used to it at this point well uh, so I'll, i'm gonna talk about bb king now because i spent a lot of time with bb awesome. and became very good friends with him and it's one of my most honored things in my whole life was to yeah. become friends with my my greatest idol ever and uh, and we talked about this very thing and and your show reminds me of this you know, the name of your show reminds me of this very thought talked about BB would talk about that after 60 some years of doing music, he still feels the feeling before a show. And he talked about 
It's not nerves. It's not that you're nervous. It's that you're excited. Okay. If you go out on a show and you think you're nervous, you paralyze yourself. You can you can kill yourself. Right? You're yeah. You can like, oh my God, I'm so nervous. I remember this. I told you I was eating chocolate chip cookies and you know <laughs> that's what I thought was nerves. Right. But it's excitement. If you look at it as excitement, you can ab- actually improve your you can harness it. You can you can put it to work for you. That's amazing. So if I get feeling where I think it's nervousness, I just say, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm like, on this record, I had it. You know, I was, yeah. I was in with the greatest players in Nashville. Like, you know, you got, you got Vince Gill joining the record. I'm in Peter Frampton's studio. I'm in like... <laughs> I'm in like, pff, holy <laughs> my, I, if, if I thought of this as nerves, I'd, I'd cripple myself. That's awesome. That's- it's, it's, it's a way to think of it. I tell people all the time. It's like, don't think of it as nervousness, but Turn you know, some people it really is. Some people it's not excitement. It's total like panic. It's <laughs> like how they, how they react. It's yeah. like, I don't react like that. I just like, so that's how I think of it. And that came directly from B.B. King's advice. That's amazing. Yeah, the anxiety, you know, performance anxiety is, that's just excitement. So you're known, I, I guess your genre is blues, but you kind of, you don't just stick to blues. I mean, I hear a lot of some country in there and a lot of other things. It's, yeah. Is well, that fair? Well, you know, it's, I mean... I don't know. You really don't, you know, you, you come out with your first album and it's with double trouble. I mean, I, <laughs> people, I mean, people jumped all over me about that. You know, it was like, yeah. I was just, so I was excited to just play with my idol, but no kidding. You know, there's the diehard Stevie Ray Vaughan fans like that, you know, and especially if he was a guitarist, I mean, Oh my God, they were, they were offended that somebody that didn't have any experience got up with double trouble and, wow. Oh, you're just trying to, you know, you just want to be Stevie Ray Vaughan. To this day, I couldn't play a Stevie Ray Vaughan. No, I don't learn people's stuff. I just don't. You know, there's guys that can play that stuff perfectly. I can't. But yeah. and I couldn't even carry his guitar case as far as I see. <laughs> where I see Stevie Ray Vaughan, well, you, you, you play know. Albert Cummings music. You don't play Stevie Ray Vaughan music. That's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. You know, I've I've had people come up and, and throw a hundred dollar bill at my feet. It's like, hey, play this song. I'm like, wrong, wrong guy. Man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but see, I I'll love that. I'll be lucky if you name one of my songs that I can play it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Give me a hundred bucks for that. <laughs> that is... <laughs> well, I'll, well, here's one. I, w- I went back and I listened to a bunch of your back catalog, and I gotta say, I love Glass House. That song yeah. kicks ass. That's just an yeah, awesome riff.
wife likes that song too. That is so great. It, it's just what I like is that once you started, you've kind of you've just released stuff on a regular basis, very consistently, and it's some live, some studio stuff, but it's very it's been very consistently. You don't let grass grow under your feet. It's that's one of the things that I've always loved about. Well, I'm glad to hear you say it. I, I should start like I think I start opening my set with that thing because it's like it is. It kicks right into gear and like okay. kind of lets you know there's something going about to happen. That's yeah. 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 It does now when you when you're recording, are you playing with different people? Uh, like does does your band change a lot between recording and playing live or have you been stuck with the same people? Well, usually I'll go I'll I'll go to the studio and I kind of pick the city I want to go to cuz I'm I don't know, you know, I, I think every city has a different vibe. Oh yeah. And different different musicians, and different feel and different everything. And uh Glass House we did in Memphis. That was on an album called No Regrets, which was the first time I kind of let a little of my country stuff out, you know? Right. And I never answered your question about that, but you get pegged in the blues. You come out, you know, you do an album with Steve Ray Vaughan's band and you play in your face guitar. (laughs) Where else do they put you? You know, you're you're in the blues genre. So you play Strat. It's a double edged sword because I love that, but it's, it's, it's also, there's a lot of, you know, my hallway reference, there's a lot of different influences in my hallway, you know, from, from Bill Monroe to Stevie Ray Vaughan. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a wide range of people. And um, so I don't know, what am I supposed to do? Not, not be real to myself and play that stuff. I mean, I've, I've had some pretty nasty statements. Like people are getting mad, you know, don't, don't sing that country crap. You know, you can't, don't, don't bother saying it's like, wow. Well, it's just what I'm singing. You know, I don't, I'm not trying to be anybody. I'm not just, just playing what I'm, what's in me. I'm just letting my music out. You don't like it? Listen to somebody else. Yeah, exactly. That, that's, that's but amazing. Everybody's got an opinion. It's of course, it's always better than yours. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is true. That is true. At least to them it is. Yeah. So yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I, I love, my my the song on there meet the man I and mean, that's kind of a gospel song would you think if you listen to that song yes yes i guess it's time to be on my way i'm going home way trying to think if that was the one that I think yeah that one what I liked about that I heard a, a quote I think it was Buddy Guy years ago I don't even know I mean decades ago said that the, and I'm paraphrasing but it, I believe he said the blues is the hardest type of music to play because it's very difficult to sound unique it's hard to move it oh yeah forward. that's so true but I think that's what I like about Meet the Man is that I, it's got a blues to but it's different. It sounds different for sure. It's yeah, and I, I think it, that's one of those songs that kind of moves the genre forward a little bit. 
And that that's one of the things I've really enjoyed about this album. Yeah, I've never heard that quote from Buddy, but it makes sense. And Buddy would know. Buddy. You know. I think it was yeah, Buddy. I could be wrong. It's so true, you know, and, and that's that's what I find funny. You know, it's like I meet a lot of like music students and I won't mention any schools in particular. <laughs> right. And they always come out with the same thing. Oh, yeah. The blues. That's what I started out playing. I, I learned that first. Like you didn't learn anything, man. No. If you even said that, you've not even advanced. You've not even got out of. You haven't even <laughs> got to the second gear yet, right? <laughs> For you to even to say that, yeah. because it is so complicated. Because it's not about what you're. It's not playing what you know. It's playing what you feel. Yes. And 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 that's where the that's where it comes in. And if you. If you're playing what you know, you're going to be the guy Buddy Guy's talking about. You are going to be sounding like everybody else. Yeah. Because if you, like, that's why I don't learn people's stuff. You learn their stuff and you play their stuff. Now you sound like them. Like, I never had a lesson. I don't wow. even believe in the lessons. If you, want to, if you want to really do it, I mean, I'd love to have some lessons on some, some like, I wish I could sit down with Tommy Emanuel oh. for, like, I wish you could lock me in like a lake house somewhere or something. I wouldn't even fish. I'd sit there all day and watch him play. Because <laughs> that, I mean, I don't even know what, what planet he's on. Oh, it's just nuts. Oh, he's, no. you know, talk about the greatest guitarist in the world. Yeah. It's... He's not out there claiming it. No. He should be. That's what I tell you. The guys that tell you that they're the best. There, there you go. Yep. Tommy's not telling you he's the best. That's a perfect example. Is. You know, yeah, and and I'm not, I'm not conceited because that's an imperfection, and I'm perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, yeah, right. so but if, when you're playing what you feel, you are playing yourself because nobody else is feeling the way you feel. So you are now becoming your own style, and that is so hard because you have to put away everything else that you know and have. Yeah, I mean, you can use those little things. You know, you can. Like BB King, another thing he told me he says, "You don't, we don't steal licks, we borrow them." And he looked at me and winked. You know? <laughs> it, it, it's like we just borrow. Them. That like, is you, awesome. You can keep it. You yes. can keep it. I'm just going to use it for a second, and then that, you can. I give it right back to you. <laughs> well, yeah. I think maybe starting a little later your life helped you with blues because if you don't live a life you can't you, you blues aren't going to sound authentic and well, that's that's very true too you know and i think maybe you uh, starting at 27 so you you avoided the 27 club because you didn't die at 27 you just started at 27 <laughs> I know, I yes <laughs> so that may perhaps that 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 helped your blues a bit because you were, right. you know, you, you yeah. had a, a career, you had a family, you had, you lived life and yeah, I want to, I want to maybe the 110 club. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm in with that one. <laughs> we'll start that one. Hey, you know, like yeah. we'll, after we yeah. do that billion no, it's, dollar it's thing. It's so true. I, I, I think the same thing. I mean, it's, you know, I, there's so many, I don't want to sound like this old cantankerous guy, but it's like, man, the, the music becomes more meaningful the older people get, they get a little, they get a little track, they get a little wear on their tires yeah. and they, they get older and they've covered some ground. Right. So they, they have more experiences they can write about and talk about. And that all comes, that's what the, that's what the blues is to me. I mean, yeah. it doesn't, people always say, Oh, you should have done this when you were like 20 is like, 
I didn't know anything about life or anything about anybody, myself or anything at 20. Yeah. You couldn't do it at 20. I can't do what I do now, but you know, but right. But on the other hand, maybe I'd be better now if I did start, you know what I mean? So it, it, it never hurts to start it right as early as you can, but so you've got the new album came out a couple of months ago, 10 aptly named because it's your 10th album, right? There's a kind of a, different feeling to this one compared to your other ones. It's just, it's like, it's hard to put a finger on it. It's kind of like everything just went up a level. It's, and I don't want, I don't want it to sound like your other stuff wasn't good, but what I'm saying, it's just kind of the quality of everything just stepped up another step. And it's, it's so good. I mean, and you've got some amazing people on the album too. Like, uh, yeah. Produced by what? uh, Chuck Ainley, right? Yeah, Chuck Hanley, and and there's your main factor right okay. there. You know, genius. Yeah. You know, just to, you know, he's and he's like, you know, Chuck's the type of guy. Well, I'm pretty good at turning knobs. <laughs> 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 yeah, you're pretty good at turning knobs. Chuck. I, oh, I love people. But, like you that. know, that's how humble he is. You know, it was like, but you know, I, I was a builder my whole life, and once a builder, always a builder. You know, so I'm a, I'm a builder my whole life, and. And uh, I'd always say that my, the house that I'm building is my best house because everything I've learned from that point up is now going into the, the house I'm working on, right? Everything you learn, you put it in the albums are the same thing. Everything you learn is now part of what you're doing. So the okay. older you get, hopefully you, the better you become. And that's what happened with this album. I think my writing was a lot better and my whole approach and my acknowledgement of the anxiety that that feeling of excitement you know what i mean i was i kind of harnessed all that and then now on top of that now you take chuck ainley and then chuck brings in the the first call players in nashville and i saw yeah you got i mean if you saw the names but greg morrow's on drums and greg is like the guy on all the zz top albums i think you know i mean he's like on there on everybody from the dixie chicks to george Strait to, to Everybody, you know, That's it's like amazing. he is one of the, you know, and uh, uh, Rob McNelly is on guitar and Rob is probably the greatest guitarist I've ever even been next to. But he was so good that he was able to compliment and not compete. You know what I mean? He was he he was just uh, and we had totally different and we had total respect for each other, but totally different. Rob knows everybody's stuff because of his job. He makes his living with that guitar and he's. Right. He could pick it up and say, you know, Chuck could say, yeah, try this. Give me this. We you, Rob? And he'd switch it right up and give you something else, completely different sound. Wow. And, or grab the slide or, you know, or grab a different guitar, grab, make a different amp. He could, he could change, he could just change it all like that. And, I, you know, I'm like, I got one guitar, you know, like, <laughs> you know, maybe I had a second one. I had a little telly with me or something, but, you know, just great. And then you got Michael Rojas on piano and organ and, keys and Wurlitzer. I mean, he did all that stuff and he was just a genius. And then Glenn Wharf is like the bass player of Nashville, you know? Yeah. And like Vince Gill said, I, I remember you like stories. So yeah. I'm, I'm in, I'm in the main room with Greg's drums and, and we're, you know, and my phone ran and, and Peter Frampton studio, he has his guitars all up on the walls okay. right, around in the studio. So my phone rings and it's Vince Gill and I'm, I remember talking on the phone. I'm like, he's like, 
how's it going, Albert? And I said, well, I said, I'm, I'm standing in Peter Frampton's studio and I'm looking at his SG on the wall that he played on Humble Pie. And I'm talking to Vince Gill. <laughs> and he, and he laughed. He's like, watch what you wish for. Yeah. And, and then he asked me who the players were. And he says, you got the best players in Nashville on that record. And he, he also said that I was, that he wished I could take my enthusiasm for the recording studio and pass it out around Nashville because uh, so many guys, he said, you sound like you're having so much fun. I'm like, I am. I, I love this. This is like, this is it. This is everything. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, a lot of players aren't like that, Albert. Uh, I am. See, like I said, you don't half-ass anything. You get double trouble, then you get Chuck Ainsley, you, you get all these great session players, you get Vince Gill on your album. You go yeah, full It's kind of throttle. crazy. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's so wonderful. So, yeah. I was listening to the album, and obviously, and I think currently my favorite track is She's the One. When she holds your hand Oh, you're proud to be her man When she talks to you Do you understand? If you had your choice Of any girl Would she be the one In a whole wide world Well, then she She's the one uh -huh. That is... I mean, the guitar playing is amazing, but the lyrics are absolutely beautiful. And your singing on that track is probably the, the best you've recorded. It's such a yeah, great thanks. song. I love that song. I love that song. And, and uh, so I have two sons, right? Whether they're 21, 25. And uh, that song came from that. Like, wow. I, it was basically like, here's my advice to you. If you're going to, you know, if you're going to find what you're looking for. Yeah. Like here's a checklist and that's, that's, you know, bingo. I got a song. If I got an idea, I'll give you a song like seconds. Yeah. And that's where the song came from. And I love that song and the build up and all about it. And you know, I haven't started to really even do that live yet. It's like, oh, it's a wow. big song and I want to make sure I'm ready for it. And I, I got, I haven't been playing a lot. I've been, we've been, uh, we're about to get busy, so I gotta, I gotta get that song out. I ready. Yeah, I saw you got a bunch of tour dates coming up now. So okay, so that brings up the next question I have for you. you you've had a full time job. You're in constructional. Mm -hmm. Is touring difficult for you, or, or do you tour a lot? <laughs> no, it's very easy to run two careers. And, <laughs> you know, yeah, there's no stress at all when you go on the road and your wife's running the construction company. <laughs> It's excitement, right? Yeah, it's it's piece of cake. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's absolute misery. So I think what 10 is uh, hopefully enabled me to do is to really play music. So that's that's what I'm excited about. So that's, you know, I hope that's so. what we're hoping for, and that's what it looks like. So I'm, that's where we're going to go. I really Again, hope so. You know starting a little late but it doesn't matter to me it's like it's my time exactly exactly do, do you use a lot of vintage equipment when you're playing or is it more newer equipment because no. you've got an amazing sound an amazing blue sound well the only thing that was vintage on that record was uh 
Peter Frampton had a room full of amps and he had a nice little 63 vibroverb brown face. Oh, and I wow. usually use a Fender Vibroking amp, which is a, they don't even make it anymore, but it was like a kind of a hand wired powerful amp that they made for a while. And, uh, I like, uh, it's, it's a little too raw by itself, even though it's fine, but I like to put a smaller amp with it and it gives it a little sweetness and I run up stereo and it just kind of the, all that sound coming out. Oh, nice. Does, does it for me. So when we got to the studio, he had a little vibroverb and I was like, Oh, maybe I'll put that with a Viber King. And, and we did. And it sounded great. You know? Oh man. <laughs> so, all right. So let me, let me ask you this before we start to wrap up here. Mention that quote from Buddy Guy that it's hard to move the genre of blues forward. Is there a song on ten that you that you kind of think maybe does that that you really think goes beyond just being a blues song to help hopefully move that forward? Well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that that would be, I would feel <laughs> heck to even say, you know, I mean, if there's anything on my album that's going to move it forward. But the one thing that I can say about that album is I have this, I have this line in my head that I want to put into a song someday, but maybe I won't, maybe I'll just use it as my quote, but it's simply that advice to another player or a younger guy coming up or whatever, it'd be like, you've got to get the people believing that there's more to the blues than lying and leaving. And that that is what happens. I mean, how many times can you write about it's, my baby left me this morning? Yep. You know, it's like, you know, so, and, and I, oh, I, she done me wrong and all this baloney. It's like, yeah, that, that was great in the fifties. Yeah. That really hit it right off in the fifties, Yeah, but we're not driving around fifties cars. You know what I mean? If you're going to advance the genre, you have to bring it to people in a way they understand. Just like, I mean, That's, I mean, I don't know, you know, they're pushing to change the cars, you know, electric cars or whatever. I mean, they're, we're not driving 57 Chevys. Right. Terraplane blues is going to so, work. Now it's going to be Tesla you know, blues. And BB, BB always felt that way that the blues will evolve. And I don't, I think buddy's a little more traditional, so I don't know if he wants it to evolve or change, you know, well, so there'll always be purists out there. Yeah, I mean that's fine, but yeah. there, but but you always have it. So Absolutely. you you got the bird in the hand. You got you got Howlin' Wolf. You got Muddy. You got all that stuff. You got all that stuff here. Is that all you want? Is it, should we shut the door? Or should we tell everybody to sell their guitars and stop? It's all been done or, then. Or do we want everybody to copy them? That's what I'm like. Not doing it. I'm not going to do songs like that, and I'm not. You know, I'm going to try to bring somebody something that's new and that'll be my quest for every album I do. So I don't know. I think if everybody started doing that, maybe your question, maybe, maybe cumulatively, we can all help it evolve. Right. Okay. And again, it's a big, long hallway. Yeah. Right. There was a term that I heard that blues is a big house, but there's a room for everyone. Yeah, I've heard that. Yep. And there, you know, that's like, it's a huge, I, I kind of go with that hallway. And it's like, hey, go down and check out room seven. That, that's your traditional yes. guy right in there. Exactly. You know, go check him out. <laughs> but don't go there. Don't, don't, you know, don't. I mean, I love to play the traditional stuff, but I, I'm on the front lines of crowds. And I could throw one or two out there and, and everybody's going to love them. But if I tried to do that all night long, I'm not getting back to that theater or I'm, you know, I'm not going to bring that crowd back to me. 
I have to bring them something that's that you you don't have anywhere else. I have to be myself. Exactly. Because there's my favorite quote is be yourself because everybody else is taken. That's true. That's one another great reason not to learn too many cover songs. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun to get you a hundred dollar bill every once in a while. <laughs> oh, <nothing more. laughs> <laughs> um, Albert, this has been uh, just a blast. Where can people pick up the album and how can they follow you on social media and, and get, well, I know you got a bunch of tour dates coming up. Yeah. AlbertCummings.com is the best place to start pretty okay. much. You know, that that's pretty up to date and letting everybody know what's happening and where we're going and what's going on and latest news. And it's got your social you media know, links I mean, on and it. And then, you know, just check it out. It, there's a lot of things happening. A lot of, a lot of, uh, been getting a lot of nice reviews. we got, you know, some of the guitar magazines have been writing up things. We got a nice piece coming out in vintage guitar soon. Oh, nice. And um, so that's all exciting. It's all exciting stuff, but it's, it, it'll all be available on albertcummings.com. That's the best place to start. And I mean, you can get the album there. You can get it on any media source or anywhere. So wherever you can get music, you can get it. Pretty much. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Well, then, I've enjoyed this so much. Yeah, me too. Told him I was ill I said, Doc, give me something Maybe some kind of pill He hit me on the knee With that little hammer that he had and Then he looked in my eyes He said, boy, you got it bad I ain't but one thing to do You better call up the band You need to get out on the road, boy Just as fast as you can 